Hey, it's Anita, and this is Bitcoin and Co. Hello everybody, welcome to Bitcoin and Co and my current series about Bitcoin in Africa. After covering Zimbabwe, Senegal, South Africa, Ghana and next week Nigeria, I have the honor to host a guest from Kenya. Rosaline Vanchiro is the Director of Growth and User Acquisition at PesaBase and an advocate for the digital economy in Kenya. If you prefer to listen only, I suggest you subscribe to my podcast that you can find in your favorite podcast player. Search for Anita Posh and hit the subscribe button. People watching on YouTube, be sure to subscribe and hit the notification bell on my YouTube channel now to keep up to date with my latest videos. And I started a weekly newsletter where I share the most interesting stories and developments in the Bitcoin ecosystem from my point of view. Every Friday in your mailbox, subscribe at anita.link forward slash subscribe. And now, after a short word from my sponsors, enjoy. To be financially independent, it is important to hold your own keys. Use a hardware wallet like the Swissmate Bitbox O2. Get the Black Friday bundle now. A Bitbox O2, a steel wallet and backup cards and save 30 euros. All other products in the shop are 10% off too. Only from November 25th to 30th. Get it at anita.link forward slash bitbox02. Want to buy and sell your Bitcoin in an easy, fast and secure way? Local Bitcoins is one of the most trusted and the largest peer-to-peer -peer Bitcoin trading platform in the world. Go to localbitcoins.com and trade directly with people like you. This holiday season, turn a no-coiner into a Bitcoiner. I definitely recommend using a hardware wallet to store your Bitcoin. But if you have difficulties with the technical requirements of hardware wallets, you can use the card wallet. Get the special edition at hohohodl.com. And watch out for BitcoinBlackFriday.com, your chance to promote the circular Bitcoin economy with special deals on the 27th of November. Hello, Rosaline. Uh, welcome and thank you for doing this interview with me today. Um, you're the first one. It's a premiere. It's the first video interview and I'm very glad to have you. Hello. Hi, it's my pleasure and my delight to be here with you today. Great. Um, before we speak about the situation of Bitcoin in Kenya, please introduce yourself to our listeners and our viewers. What's your background? Um, where are you located, if you want to tell us, and what are you working on? All right. So as an economist, that's my background. I've been keen to just uh, delve into the Bitcoin and blockchain world because I was drawn to the future of payments, the future of economy, the future of, you know, so many things that are tied into this tech. And I started researching on this as a master's uh, area of interest, and I was so drawn into data science because I felt whoa, there are so many possibilities with data. Look at what Uber has done. Look at what Airbnb has done. And I thought, okay, if I get a master's, then, you know, I'm going to be ahead of the curve. But I ended up not getting the master's because anyone who's really, um, you know, gotten into the Bitcoin rabbit hole knows what that can do to you. It will make you change quite a number of ideas that you have about money, about the future, about economy, about, um, you know, even how we get to transact as people. So I started doing uh, research and uh I started doing software development for a bit, but I delved more onto the research side because I was really keen on the applications and the usability of uh, blockchain and Bitcoin in my country at the time. And very few people were really doing it. And I felt, okay, if this is a niche that much, it will give me an edge, of course, as a young person. And um, I started by doing articles at the time and I worked with a few crypto companies just that, that had started up at the time. And um, in the last three years, I have... Um, focused my work as a researcher and uh, as, a, as a marketing professional in that to uh, help startups or particularly what I do right now with uh, PesaBase is that I'm the director of growth and user acquisition. So my research has now, you know, focused into that. How do we get users for our app? 
So that's just uh, touching on a few things. But as an economist, I'm really passionate about um, how this tech can be used sustainably because, you know, we've, we've gotten into the Bitcoin space as, um, you know, in, into a time where you see there are so many ideas, but where do we get users? How do we get adoption? How does this thing become sustainable? How do we get to the mass adoption? How do we get to millions of people literally being able to benefit from this? So that's where I have really concentrated a lot of my efforts. And in a nutshell, that's what I do. I'm the director of growth and user acquisitions at Pestabase, which is a um, blockchain-based company. In this year, we've uh, we won the inaugural Cello Camp competition, and that was a uh, that was the hugest win for us this year because it was the it was the first such um, competition of its nature, and you know, with uh, so many amazing teams from around the world, sixty countries, over two hundred and sixty teams, it was such a huge honor to have won that. And we got to build on the cell of blockchain. So, you know, for us, it's that we, we get to partner with uh, a cello, which is such a critical partner for us. And we get to roll out our, our platform on, on being able to onboard so many people who are unbanked. So for us, we, you know, we're, we're in that space of, um, making this vision a reality and having blockchain, not just as a tech, but as a reality that's going to help so many, so many, uh, people that need it. And that's why I'm so excited to have this discussion today. So yeah, that's what I'm working on and mm-hmm. a bit of my background. Yeah, great. Thank you for that. And um, so you actually studied the perfect combination for Bitcoin and blockchain development, because when you're an economist and a, a software developer, then you're perfect. That's a perfect match, basically, to work in this space. But I'll, I'll actually interject, sorry, to just uh, mention that I didn't delve too much into uh, software development because I felt research was research kind of just drew me far more than I could keep up with software development. But um, I really respect, you know, the work that goes into software development. And uh, yeah, that's why for me, I, I, I love this, the tech space because it brings in so many of these elements together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. That's yeah. right. Yeah. So, and when and how did you find out about Bitcoin in the first place? Um, actually, it's a friend who t- who mentioned the documentary. I love watching documentaries. I'm I'm a very curious mind. So um, when he told me about it, I was like, wait, um, this doesn't make sense, but it's very it's very um, curious. Then um, I came across another meetup on Facebook where they were talking about Bitcoin a lot more in depth. And uh, I thought, why not? Let me attend. I mean, I can lose. I I don't lose anything. And there were about maybe 15 of us, less than 15 actually, that afternoon. But it was organized by uh, a, a gentleman called Michael Kimani. He he was he was um, the founder of the Blockchain Association of Kenya then. But um, in that meetup, that's when I really got to um, delve into Bitcoin. That was in 2016, if I'm not yeah, 2016 September. I remember. Mm-hmm. Great. Yeah. Funny that you mentioned Michael Kimani because just uh, today in preparation for our interview, I've read an article by him on his uh, blog. Uh, yeah. about the essay writing industry in uh, Kenya. Um, yeah. It was very interesting. Yeah. And um, so let's get a little bit back to, to the basics. I mean, my listeners, uh, I think as I do, I know little, uh, little or nothing about Kenya. Uh, can you please describe the country a little bit for us? All right. So Kenya is very warm, tropical, and uh, it's a huge. <laughs> it's a it's a place where a lot of people love to come for their vacations. And uh, if you've heard of the warm sandy beaches of Diani, Watamu, and uh, Nyali, then probably those might be the first destinations you hear about. But um, well, we are in East Africa. That's just um, just shy of the Horn of Africa, and. Um, by climate, then we're mostly warm. We are mostly warm for most of the year, and um, it's quite large, 582,000 square kilometers. Um, our main, um, you know, economic like earners are tourism, agriculture, and industry. And um, we're, you know, that's that's literally a bit of us, a bit for us in a nutshell. But um, largely, we are we are very warm people. We are about 44 cultures. Um, main languages, there's uh, Swahili and English. And I mean, there, there are other 40 of them. There's from right from the Samburu 
by communities, there's Kushite communities, Nilot communities, Bantu communities. So quite a number of language groups even in that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, so yeah, a lot of a lot of diversity, and I guess also yes. for edu- for education, that's a, a hurdle or an obstacle because you would have to uh, translate all the educational material to these different languages. Actually, okay, I would call it uh, both a plus and both an advantage and uh, a huge opportunity because while the majority can listen to, especially Swahili, then um, you realize that you don't really have to translate all to all of those languages, but it's an opportunity all the same because um, then all these other cultures can get to benefit from that because even from, you know, just by targeting Swahili alone, then you can get quite a lot of people who are able to speak it. Mm-hmm, understand. Yeah. And, yeah. and how, how is the economical situation in the country? I mean, you mentioned that agriculture, which was, um, surprising for me, to be honest, that agriculture is basically your, your, your main pillar of, um, uh, GDP. Um, I, and, mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. and, and, and how, how is this, is Nigeria, uh, sorry, is Kenya in comparison to other, uh, sub-Saharan countries, uh, well off, a, a healthy economy or, or not? All right. I would say it's a strong economy because aside from agriculture, there is tourism. So I would say this year has been one of the toughest, especially because of, um, you know, tourism restrictions. People couldn't travel. And, um, on the other hand, then people have been more open to especially local travel. So you'll see quite a bit of that on, uh, Facebook, for example. But, um, aside from that, it's that, um, we, our, our economy is really coming up strong, especially with, uh, financial innovation and products. So really that's, That's the third frontier, I would say, apart from agriculture and tourism. So a lot of, especially young people are looking toward, um, you know, opportunities to work online or in the digital economy, because then you find that, especially in urban centers, there's a lot more, um, there are a lot more spaces that are offering free public Wi-Fi. And, you know, that's really um, opening up more people to just consider these, op- this, these opportunities rather than, um, for, for example, a more white collar job, so to say. So in our diversity, then you, you, you get to see, even if you visit Nairobi, then, um, there's white collar, blue collar, quite a, quite a mix of, of all these activities, um, all over the place. So with Nairobi, it's more, um, urban and that's where you see more of a melting pot of, um, administrative, financial, um, you wouldn't see so much of the agricultural side, but now when you go to the, um, to the other towns like Eldoret and um, Nakuru, then you'll see more of the, the massive open fields and large-scale farming going on. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, and, yeah. And how is the the wealth distribution in a way? I mean, how is, for instance, the situation for, for women in your country? All right, so for wealth distribution, we still have quite a number of gaps. Well, we have um, less than about 75,000 people earning, um, let's say, above $1,000 uh, per month. And that means then you have quite, uh, you know, quite a wide gap between um, the first $1,000 and the next $1,000 um, income range. And for women, particularly, it's, uh, you know, it's it's quite grim, I would say, at this point in time. But in my observation, then there, you find a lot more women are, engaging in what you call um, small businesses or locally we, we dub them as side hustles. So that's where, let's say, um, a woman is placed already in a in a formal job, but she engages in selling things like um, accessories, clothes, bag shoes, just to earn an, an, an extra income for her family or for her own personal needs and things like that. So we are in a space right now that's, um, you know, some of these do- businesses are not exactly documented as of yet because um, then you find that she, uh, uh, let's say this lady has her, you know, she has her office job eight to five, but in the extra time that, that she might have off work, let's say in the evening between, um, six o'clock and, and eight o'clock or nine, nine o'clock, then, um, you know, she's still trying to get, uh, a solid market. So she may not have registered the business already because maybe this week she's made sales, next week she hasn't made sales. And, you know, in a month it's, it's quite fluctuating. So before some of these businesses being traction, it takes quite a number of years. So that's why, um, then 
some of this data is not even captured because um this the they, the the person or group might decide to choose another business try something else and you know in this process of trying then you have um quite some disparity in terms of data um you know data capturing and data analysis so it's very hard to tell exactly um who is you know who is pulling in what who is doing what who is achieving what and uh, but the thing is that people are um really entrepreneurial by um almost by nature so um no one will say that that they'll admit there's a very huge income gap because another issue is that um you wouldn't say that people are are technically cultured to talk about you know what they earn from the get go so it's only when um let's say national service are done and the, like the recent national census which was carried out last year that would reveal some of this data because um you know at that point then they will ask um what does this household earn what's the range um who's bringing in what and uh, and with that with that kind of statistic being released quite some time after the data has been collected then you realize um people don't really have a hands on graphs to know okay this is what even my neighbor earns or this is what even my cousin aunts because then people aren't really that open to talk about um what they earn in the first place so there's that data disparity in the first place so that um you get to know who earns what then what can be done to actually um make that better for so many more people mm-hmm. yeah. what are the what are the biggest problems or obstacles for people in Kenya um in terms of financial inclusion So do they have bank accounts or not or what what are the problems? All right, so we have uh, about let's say 30% of the population that are already connected to um financial formal financial services because um this is typically what you call the salaried uh, population because you have we have um, at least 4 million people already um in, in formal jobs and and the like. So um just for a mention then you realize that um majority of people who are earning uh, an income in Kenya are in the informal sector so aside from agriculture then there's the term that you call juakali and juakali is um usually like a you know a small business that will carry less than let's say less than 10 people and you know they're working manually on different um artifacts and metal works and you know just different kinds of different kinds of products and services so with this business of less than 10 people then um typically then they may not they may or may not have um a registration and tax status so with that then um you you realize that a lot of these payments will have to be either on mobile phone like the platform mpesa or um cash so for those that are paid by cash then you can't really tell if this person will choose to then put that money in a bank account so if you study let's say the growth of a bank like equity which made it possible for um literally anyone to um have account have set up an account for free and have even no minimum balance then it made it possible for a lot of people who are just handling a lot of cash to put in the money in their account instead of like under the mattress which is what um quite a number of people would have done before but um the fact is that as that now we stand with um about 30% financial you know formal financial inclusion but with um if you consider the statistics and the growth around um mpesa which is uh, mobile money a lot of people may have heard of that then you're looking at um a much wider much wider um range of inclusion because then that's we're talking about over 80% because there already there's already 26 million subscribers so let's just say that's about half the adults or half the population here because you you can't really count kids under 18 but um yeah so um in that regard then mpesa has really transformed the narrative around financial inclusion because um just by enabling people to send receive money from um their mobile phones then um practically anyone can transact financially in the country and in almost every neighborhood whether you you know whether you're in the rural or urban areas every neighborhood has an agent where someone can be able to deposit and to withdraw money from an agent so that has really made it easy for people to um get these financial services and the fact is that they've um you know they've broadened the range of services so before it would be that you could only 
send and receive money. But now you can save, you can get a credit facility or an overdraft facility. At, and with M-Pesa, excuse me. Yes, oh, okay. yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Yes, so they've been they've been widening that, and um, you know that has really increased the options for so many people to get these services. Mm-hmm. And just to yeah. ex- explain for our listeners, so uh, M-Pesa is mobile money, and an agent yeah. is a person where you can go to bring your cash, and this person uh, fills up your M-Pesa account. Is this correct? Yeah. Yeah. Yes, exactly correct. Because yeah. the An agent actually works, um, I would say, like a mini bank, uh, for lack of a better word. But um, you, you can imagine this mini bank literally just would fulfill the functions of a, you know, of a traditional bank because um, you do walk into a bank to be able to uh, withdraw and to deposit cash, right, to your account. So the agent fulfills the same function. It's just that, um, whereas with the You know, with a with a traditional bank, you can get um, a wider range of, um, let's say, credit facilities and you know, hosts of other products like forex and and things like that. Then you can't get some of those with an agent in M-Pesa because um, the agent's main purpose is actually to enable you to get some liquidity in terms of cash. Mm-hmm. And yeah. uh, does uh, do you need an ID to get uh, an M-Pesa account? Yes, you do. Um, so we just by setting up your phone number and your ID, that's what you need to get your um, your Mpesa account set up. Mm-hmm. Because so I, that's why I had mentioned actually the earlier the the age limit of eighteen because um, here you have to be eighteen to actually get your mm-hmm. ID, mm-hmm. your national ID. But, but many people don't have an ID, as far as I understand. What are they doing? Um, now that's a good question because. I would say, especially for young people, um, a lot of them get their first ID because they have to get um, either university or higher education, um, you know, documentation or that they have to get a driving license. (laughs) So, Mm -hmm. um, you know, that's already the first incentive because um, even for, for, um, let's say, those who may not want to get into um, higher education, but they want to get work as uh, drivers or, or, you know, uh, or tourist professionals and you know they want to basically do work that has to do with driving then that's your first intensive to actually get the id because no no license no id no license <laughs> yeah yeah okay understand and yeah so um, i think yep. other id just comes back to usability like you know for you know to get to be able to get um your national health insurance and um your driver's license then education then That's why the ID becomes important for some people. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And M-Pesa is a private company? Um, hosted by Safaricom, actually. Okay, and Safaricom? But, but Safari, yeah, Safaricom actually went uh, public. Okay, uh, yeah, but I meant, uh, I meant it's a corporation. It's not um, yeah. uh, state-driven or uh, decentralized. <laughs> So All right. yeah it's not it's not I wouldn't say it's uh, decentralized okay it's a centralized company yes <laughs> yeah it's definitely a centralized company and that's where I wanted to go because um yeah, yeah. As, as you I guess might have heard in Zimbabwe they they took down or banned a part of EcoCash so uh, people mm-hmm. agents were not able to um exit or or like cash out the money anymore so mm-hmm. that's always a danger that governments then decide to um like uh, ban companies or people um to use this in kind of infrastructure Yeah, so I would say that even, um, you know, in the early years of M-Pesa, then there was uh, quite a bit of um, resistance from um, both banking and and governmental um, institutions because it didn't operate fully as a bank, yet it was handling a lot of money. And, you know, there were court proceedings to that effect. But as at now, then there's a very healthy relationship between um, Safaricom as a company and the government because... um, M-Pesa has literally become such a key pillar of the economy that it can't be relegated to, let's say, it can't be relegated past to to what it was in the past. Like it could be, you know, you could argue, but as of now in Kenya, M-Pesa is such a part of our culture that you can walk into a business and, um, you know, when you're done with your 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 product order or your service, you can say, 
may I M-Pesa you instead of saying I will pay via Visa or I'll pay via MasterCard or I'll pay via cash. So M-Pesa is actually a verb for us. And that tells you just um, how deeply entrenched into our culture this is. So it's not really at a point where the government can, um, you know, freeze it out or or wish it away. It's quite something for us. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And, and um And how do you see, how was the adoption in the years from 2016 until now in terms of uh, Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies? All right. So in the early um, years, let's say 2016, 2017, there was a lot of um, excitement, I would say, around um, Bitcoin, particularly over news uh, news piece that um, went quite viral that a young man had paid for his diary in Bitcoin. And people were really curious, like, wait, um, you know, traditionally you, uh, as the, the, the family of the young man will take um, the equivalent of like goats, cows. It's just really a cultural thing. It just depends. There are different cultures um, would, would require different items. Some would take a monetary gift. Um, some would take maybe land. Some will take, uh, you know, the cows. Some will take the goats. But it's really um, a code for, um, you know, one family gifting another and showing their appreciation. So when this young man decided to um, gift this other family Bitcoin and they received it, guys were like, whoa, this is new. <laughs> <laughs> so what is Bitcoin and, you know, what is all this that you guys have accepted instead of, um, <laughs> instead of, you know, traditional dairy gifts. And anyway, that's, that's. Uh, that oh, you're muted. You're muted. Um, Back on. So, yeah, yeah. So in that, in that time, then there were also quite a number of, um, I hate to say this, but there were scams. The likes of, um, you know, Bit, I think it was BitConnect, BitClub Network. And, you know, they really roped people in because they sold the promise of, um, like, passive income and people getting rich because, well, a few of the guys who bought Bitcoin, like, 2012 and earlier on had, um, you know, had seen the price really skyrocket and they had become millionaires, which was true, but... You know, by telling by telling now people who are getting in much later that they could make the same gains, then you can realize the um, frustration that um, a lot of the new people were facing. So between 2016 and 2018, then you have a bit of excitement and a lot of disappointment mm -hmm. about Bitcoin because there are those who got in early and got profits and well, they even got into other businesses. But then there are those who came in later and... Um, You know, they got the tails end of the of the bear market because when 2017 going into 2018 hit, people thought, oh, my, this thing is dead. So you had someone hype it and they became millionaire. And the next thing you buy it and the price has, got, has gone down. So those were those were really um, sensitive times because the central bank also issued a cautionary note. So a lot of confidence was in question about um, Bitcoin because people wondering, okay, if the government is... Um, you know, cautionary about this. Why should I bother buying it? And why are these guys, you know, hyping it and telling me that this is the next, this is the next big thing. And yeah, so a lot of people were in that space of both curiosity, excitement and disappointment because for those who um, made their gains, of course they were happy, but for those who lost, they really hated it. Yeah, uh, understandable. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's the same way, same here. We had also a lot of scams here, like OneCoin, and you said BitClub Network, and yeah. now it's called Bitcoin Revolution or Bitcoin yeah. Evolution, and it's all basically a Ponzi scheme. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that that's why I think it's so important that there is education so that people can um, um, differentiate also, for instance, between Bitcoin and Bitcoin Cash or something like that, yes, you know? Exactly, exactly. Because a lot of people were actually asking me, um, some friends, that should I put my money in Bit Bitcoin? I'm like, yes, but I would listen to how the question was being asked because um, if someone was asking me, should I invest in Bitcoin? They probably heard it from um, the the crypto the crypto scam guys because they would tell them, put um, let's say seven hundred dollars into this investment, then that's all you need to earn passive income. So I'd be like, wait, guys, you don't start with Bitcoin as an investment, um, you know, 
package or something like that because if you if that's your mentality toward it then you actually miss the fact that it's primarily a payment uh, platform because i mean that's that's even what satoshi wrote about it like pay peer to peer payment <laughs> so, you know um if you start with what satoshi said then you know you can you can get the basic idea but um when you hear the word investment like what you hear that's not that's not in the design but when you uh, get to appreciate that it can be a store of value then we can talk about this being a possible investment right in the in the sense of it being a speculative asset but that's that's a different conversation but if the first um you know uh, mental picture that someone has of this is it's you know put in $700 and keep earning every day then that's that then you know that's that's uh that's a scam Yeah, and I think the question very often is also, how can I get into Bitcoin? <laughs> yes, yes, that's the other question that I know. Mm -hmm. Someone told them that they, they, you know, they're getting into something. I'm like, no, Bitcoin is not something you get into. It, mm -hmm. It's a revolution that, um, you know, it it has a life of its own. So it's not just like you're going to get into it and then out of it. Yeah. So yeah, that's those are some of the questions I would find. Hmm, I can smell a scam over there. <laughs> exactly, and also these yeah. uh, daily. Uh, daily income like guarantee you five percent ten percent it's a scam yeah or yeah. um you don't have to pay for a package up front yeah yes, yes. it's open it's for everybody and you don't need anybody else yeah so yeah 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 that's it's a lot of um education needed um but on the other hand i think um the the education or the knowledge spreads in a way by itself because there um, are enough people, I think, who use Bitcoin as a medium for remittances or yeah, savings and mm -hmm. trading and other kinds of things who um, tell the others then, hey, look, that's the way I do it or I did it and um, what Bitcoin really is. And um, when you, when we look at How, 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 actually, that's a question. How high is the inflation in Kenya? Um, okay, I wouldn't say that the inflation is super crazy right now. It's, mm -hmm. uh, it's been pretty stable considering even COVID this year. If we haven't gone above, um, about 7%, they are, they are about, but still, um, you know, the effect in terms of price can be felt because then, um, a lot of people with, especially a lot of people losing their, um, livelihood, then that, that's really been crazy for a lot of people. So, um, you know, how does Bitcoin come into that? You know, um, a lot of businesses are still yet to accept Bitcoin for payments, but little by little, you can see, um, you know, not just M-Pesa accepted here or Visa accepted here, but, um, Bitcoin accepted here. If you, especially within Nairobi, then there are a lot of people who know right now that, you know, they don't want to get into trading. They don't want to get into, um, in, even they themselves stacking, uh, stats, but they want people to be able to pay in Bitcoin. And that's how they'll accumulate. So just as you were mentioning, then, um, there are those who cannot get into mining right now. That those who cannot get into trading because they they may feel that um, you know that's a lot that's a huge learning curve in terms of technical analysis, fundamental analysis, and um, you know following the charts and constantly keeping your eyes on those um, those spikes, the dips, and all. But um, there are those who just want to uh, ac accumulate little by little by um, accepting goods goods payment and um, in that simple way to earn Bitcoin that way. So. We are we are yet to see that kind of threshold, even in terms of savings, because with the savings culture, then you have a lot of people who tend to save for um, um, short term goals, let's say, and for even maybe more long term goals. But when we talk about um, investments in Kenya, a lot of people tend to save toward getting, um, you know, getting fee for their kids. Um, school fee for their kids that's for higher education long long term education and um others will save for their weddings others will save for you know more social activities more social events not really like long t uh, financial markets investment so um i would say there are quite a number of um financial education um outfits that are already you know gaining traction within um within the country like abojani for one they do personalized education so that's that uh i'll by spelling just a b o j a n i a b o j a n i 
So the, what they do is just financial education as per the basics, how to budget, how to set up an emergency fund. Um, they also do classes on how to do offshore stocks. And that's really going to help a lot more guys to see you don't have to invest in real estate, for instance, to you know consider it a serious investment. Because a lot of people, when you talk about investment, their first um, mental picture is actually real estate. So moving away from real estate to now consider stocks and um uh, bonds and other financial instruments then you know having bitcoin in that um you know in that line of financial um instruments then um it's it's a bit of a learning curve for us in the sense that then you have the crypto enthusiasts who already are trading and teaching others just as um you know you'd mentioned that that's one way of uh, having education but like um let's say for the urban the young urban uh worker who is curious about you know they don't have let's say uh $10,000 or $20,000 to put into um a real estate um venture to begin with but they have let's say $5,000 uh you know uh, $500 between $500 and $1,000 that they could maybe try to speculate on so that's when that's when that's where um you know the likes of having bitcoin ends let's say stocks and offshore stocks as an option that they can consider to see, you know, a, a substantial gain. So, um, yeah, a lot of people are kind, are kind of just more open to that so that aside from real estate, now you, you have um, either stocks or the likes of Bitcoin to um, invest. Yeah, consider investing in. Yeah, but I mean, uh, having offshore stocks um, or real estate is, mm -hmm. I think, much more an effort and a, a, an obstacle for the general person than uh, saving with Bitcoin because you only need a, a smartphone and, and you have 24 words. Exactly. So now that's the thing. In terms of awareness, then... Um, We're having a lot more, especially young people who are curious. They, you know, they, they, they know very well that they don't have the, you know, the massive amounts of money to invest in. But hey, here is Bitcoin. Just your email, wallet, boom, you're ready to invest. You don't need to have um, so many, a lot of documentation. And um, you see, especially for, um, let me, I'm avoiding using the word millennial, but um, yeah, it, typically describes the age group, let's say 19 to 30 or uh, give or take. So um, for someone who's just, you know, they have that allowance and they've started their first job or maybe gotten the allowance from the internship and, um, you know, they don't even have the, let's say they don't even have the, the ID yet. And this is where Bitcoin is really amazing. Doesn't require your ID, doesn't require tax ID, doesn't require your um you know, any other major documentation that you might consider having. And it just requires you to have an email address and that's it. You, you know, you're already into this financial world and you can save with that and see how your, um, how you, even if you choose to stack <laughs> sats, then, you know, you're gaining from that already. And that's, that's really, it's, it's really, really, really huge. So, I mean, I've seen in a few discussions, some guys are like, um, you know, they, they want to stack up these, Uh, they want to stack up Bitcoin, not even for themselves, but for their kids, so that when their kids grow up, they won't ask, um, "Mommy, what did you do when Bitcoin was being, uh, you know, when Bitcoin was thirteen thousand dollars? It's now something else. It's a hundred thousand dollars. What are you doing? What were you doing? I mean, were you asleep or something?" <laughs> That's a great question. Yeah, and I guess they will ask it. Yeah, in yeah, ten or twenty years. Yeah, 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 um, they will. You just mentioned stacking sets. Um, yeah. How many people use the Lightning Network over there? Um, I may not have the numbers, but I can uh, quickly just kind of ask someone and, and get that to you. Okay, great. Thanks. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, and um, you also mentioned US dollar. Um, yeah. How many people use it? Is US dollar um, a, a like a... a a very often used currency in Kenya. Um, and how is the name of your local currency? All right. So the name of our local currency is the Kenya shilling, um, symbolized as KES. So um, that's the main currency that we actually use. So um, the use of the dollar is mostly, um, I would say, in in Forex forex trading as at now, because most most local shops really, uh, most um, most 
for most purposes, really. We use the Kenyan shilling primarily. So it's very hard to find um, a shop that will actually accept dollars directly. So that, that's a quite, there are quite a number of forex exchange points whereby um, if you, let's say, travel um, into the country or are traveling out, then that's when you can convert from Kenya shillings to dollars or dollars to Kenya shillings. Mm-hmm. But it's... Yeah. It's used quite often because here in Austria, nobody would use US dollars for anything, actually. Oh, yeah. So I guess it's more the same, more or less the same for us. So I think I would say it's more of um, guys who are doing forex trading that would um, use the dollar mm-hmm. rather than, uh, yeah, rather than in, in cash or in, in different shops and localities. Okay. I just yeah. learned learned in Zimbabwe that many many people want US dollar because they know that uh, uh, it keeps its yeah. value and its value mm-hmm. and they they use it yeah mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. want it. Yeah. I mean the situation in Zimbabwe has been quite uh, you know quite sensitive in terms of the inflation. It's been it's been really crazy. You know it's um, you wake up you, you barely the day ends and uh, the you can't you can't use the same amount of currency that you had in the morning as in the afternoon and that's that's really crazy instability but i would say for kenya we we have we have some good stability on us so we don't have to worry about that good for you yeah great yeah. Uh, yeah. do you do you know people in zimbabwe do you do business with zimbabwe or is this not possible Right. from not me particularly, but um, a lot of Kenyans do business with uh, African, quite a number of African, really all African countries. So um, Kenyans, you will find a Kenyan in every other African country. <laughs> all <laughs> 54. <laughs> You'll find a Kenyan in uh, all 54 African countries because um, we are quite, as I said, we are entrepreneurial. So Myself personally, I've been to about uh, three, four other African countries, but um, just mainly for Bitcoin-based conferences, Nigeria, Rwanda, and uh, Ethiopia. Although that was kind of passing, but um, I I am connected with the crypto community there. So uh, for me, it's primarily crypto, but for others, it's um, you know it's quite a number of purposes. So there's mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> there's a lot to go on that. Okay, uh- yeah. Let's just look a little bit more into what the kind of use cases uh, people in Kenya um, have or use with Bitcoin, their Bitcoin for. I mm-hmm. um, have a study, um, no, a, a research results from uh, a survey by local Bitcoins. They mm-hmm. asked um, Kenyan local Bitcoin users mm-hmm. um, what they use their Bitcoin for the most. And one... Uh, Fifty uh, no, excuse me. Thirty-five percent uh, are using Bitcoin for trading, and thirty percent mm-hmm. are interested in in, in long-term savings. Uh, yeah. You mentioned that before. Is this a number that's um, sounding um, um, relevant or true? Yes, it's exactly true and relevant because a lot of, um, especially. Uh, first adopters, I would say, of uh, Bitcoin in Kenya got to hear about it because of trading. And uh, you see, with um, with the speculative interest, especially between um, 2016 to date, it really just opened up um, income opportunities for a lot of people because um, I would say, I mean, there are quite a number of success stories, really, just like, I'm not even sure which one to pick, but for someone who had about um, Bitcoin in 2016 and not from the scams and they realized, hey, you can actually trade this against um, either other cryptos or even just within itself, buying and holding. Um, you know, there are guys who just went in and hodled all the way. They have not sold anything to date. Um, there are guys who decided, wait, this, tra- this, these margins are insane. I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna make my profits that way. And, uh, there are those who have stuck to that as their strategy in terms of, um, even going into it full time. So there are those who trade part time. There are those who trade full time. There are those already, um, holding classes to teach others how to trade. And that's how it's, be- that's how it's gaining a life of its own. So with the profit, with the, with the statistics from local Bitcoin, I can literally just, um, pick out a success story or two to actually go with that because then the, when I talk to people about, um, you know, when, you know, when they're curious about, um, how to really gain value from Bitcoin, then I, for those who are, who are risk averse, they don't really want to get into a whole trading vibe and, and, um, 
the the volatility i tell them hey it's okay you don't have to trade you don't have to um, spend your time staring at numbers that uh you know not making sense to your mind hey it's okay just you can buy this amount of bitcoin and just hold it but just remember to keep your wallet password please yes <laughs> don't yes. lose that you know yes, so yes. that you yeah so that you don't look at your wallet one day and oh my i have this you know huge amount of money but i, I forgot my i'm like no please not forget your wallet i'll sit with you and make sure that you treat that uh you know those 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 key those private keys like your title deed or um you know your birth certificate you don't want to lose that so um yeah i mean for the risk of us i i encourage them to save but for those who can handle some risk i'm like hey yeah you can double a bit in in trading so that's that, that that's fine Mm-hmm. Yeah, and yeah. Um, has something changed in the last two, three, four months? Do you see more people asking you or more interest in Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies? Yes, in the especially with uh, within the COVID time, then a lot of people were very curious about how to make extra money from that. And well, trading just made a very simple uh, option for that because. Even at the start of the year, uh, Bitcoin was around what ten to eleven thousand dollars, give or take. Right now, it's at um, in, it's past fifteen thousand, sixteen thousand dollars, and um, there are people who, well, if they put in the time, then they that's a decent that's a decent gain, you know. So there are those who um, were very curious, and I would even see some um, asking me upfront. I've heard of like the likes of Carbon or Bitcoin Vault. Is it just come like? Did you put money? Let's start there, <laughs> because chances are, by the time they're asking, then they, you know, there's that disturbing that feeling that um, this, this something that doesn't sit right about this, you know. So, I would say that there's a lot more curiosity in terms of this as an alternative, because then they realize, just as you mentioned, um, in you know, in in comparison to stocks and real estate, that with stocks and real estate, then you do need either a prompt documentation, setting up accounts, setting up, uh, you know, there's a waiting time. To To all this and even with real estate that's not um, easily um, convertible in terms of liquidity but with bitcoin then it's near instant in terms of um, you getting your gains and cashing out so it's um, it's becoming a lot more attractive i would say to um, more people Mm-hmm. I've also yeah. heard from Bitcoin Vault. Somebody from Africa sent me a message and asked me if he should invest in that. And then I told him how to actually really use Bitcoin. Uh, what mm-hmm. was the first uh, name you said before Bitcoin Vault? BitClub Network. Ah, the BitClub. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and there was BitConnect too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I think so, there was also Bitcoin Loophole. So there are, guys, there are so yeah. many of those, yeah. And um, yeah, it's yeah, atrocious. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's really, it's, yeah. it's upsetting me. Yeah. Yeah, and, yeah. It's, it's upsetting because a lot of people have, um, especially in 2018, I know quite a number of friends who lost money to that because when they tried to ask for their money back, that's when things really started falling back. And, um, you know, I told them, um, if you had, you know, at this point that they're telling me it's that it's that they've lost, but I was like, I was talking about Bitcoin before, guys. You could have asked me that maybe, but I can't help you right now, you know. So it's it was really painful. It was really mm. painful. Yeah. Mm, it is, yeah. 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 So we've covered quite a lot. Um yeah. did we yeah. miss anything that you want to tell our listeners? Anything you want to add? Um, as I I would say as that now, um, we are in a very exciting space as it relates to the adoption of Bitcoin in Kenya. And, um, you know, maybe just to put it as a comment, really, that um, I think guys just need to to make the conversation around Bitcoin a lot safer than it has been, because um, anyone who I think was in, you know, into Bitcoin in the early days, you'd hear statements like, uh, you know, if you if you don't, if you don't adopt Bitcoin, then you're behind, you've lost it your you know it's like your neanderthal or something like that i'm like no it shouldn't be insulting it shouldn't be attacking it shouldn't be um you know a matter of like it, let's say for especially those in banking you'd hear discussions about bitcoin and you're like okay bitcoin will disrupt banks will destroy banks will destroy this and destroy that i'm like guys wait <laughs> it doesn't have to be a war it doesn't have to be such a such an offensive thing because the truth is that for so many people if you make something offensive why should they even bother to you know to put their time into this but 
the the minute we actually realize the simplicity of bitcoin in the first place it's amazing for everybody because whether you're in banking you're in uh, you know traditional brick and mortar industries then we've seen giants in the banking industry go from bashing bitcoin to having their own coins <laughs> or at least um in some form or another accepting bitcoin so um really we should be open to learn and making this an an everyday conversation that we can have over coffee because um that's really how things become beneficial to us all because um even when you look at the future of um you know bitcoin as revolutionary as it's supposed to be then um it's not going to it's not a revolution that's going to be how do i say um you know shoved down our throats or bashed into our faces no it's going to be over coffee that one day i um you know open up my phone and i'm like um didn't I, okay i don't have cash at that point of course i i <laughs> wouldn't bother to to um uh, you know to carry cash but i'll open up my phone and they'll have a bitcoin qr code and I'll be like yep scan that and i'm out you know i'll ha- i'll be happy in that day because um i didn't have to think twice about it i didn't have to swipe my card didn't have to get any cash um of course for kenya then mpesa is there for mpesa is there to stay maybe in 30 years it could be something different but um for now it's that i will be happy when i can walk into a store and i see this bitcoin accepted here and hey i can walk out and i'm and i'm happy i have no stress in that regard because it not only for me as um an individual but for the business then they have they have um the possibility to actually make um extra income through trading because then they'll have the volumes from all the all the btc that they get from their their customers right and for especially small businesses that's an untapped um resource because um you know for any small business that's trying to get off the ground and you know you're looking at your sales of course from what you're getting from your working clients or your online orders and things like that but um in terms of extra income for for small businesses then i think every small business needs um needs at least one or two good pe- one or two good um professionals who can trade btc and get them the extra income that they need because that's going to give some serious serious weight to every small business on the planet Yeah, I agree with everything you say, but just one question. But yeah. what if what if the the price goes down and then the small business has no money anymore? All right, that's that's also a huge um real risk, real possibility, but I I think that um the beauty of that is that it's going to give the appetite for something different. And I put it in the sense that um when you learn that something is possible, it gives you an a bit of an appetite and an aspiration to get that and it's uh it kind of grows something in you that can't you can't unlearn you can't forget so um like for me personally when i first learned about bitcoin i never invested really <laughs> but it gave me the curiosity that kind that pushed me later on into the industry and i didn't start with trading i started with research i was good at that i could write and um earn from my writing at the time but um as that grew then um you know it's it's become something completely different for me that's why i would say even if the price of bitcoin were to go down today it's given us the appetite for something different we know we don't have to be stuck with um traditional um options like as i said re- real estate and stocks for um for for investment and you know that's uh, not to not to shade on them of course they're really important but um the fact that we know that there's something different actually gives us the the push to create that new alternative for ourselves so it might not be you know bitcoin should it go down it's that when you hear about defi for example with um you know alternative financial instruments it's that there might be always something out there that we can use as um as people or as small businesses to gain different or or alternative income so the fact is that we are not stuck <laughs> and mm-hmm. yeah 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 you know we're not stuck that's the that's the beauty of it we are a pretty creative bunch of humans 
it's exactly it's exactly the beauty of it. Uh, Bitcoin gives yes. some kind of optimism that that things are possible, that you can uh, like do innov innovate on top of it. Yes. and that's that's yes. the great thing about it. And you just yeah. said uh, something about DeFi. Do you use stable coins? Um, yes, actually, Pesabase itself. Uh, Stablecoin, right? Yeah. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Yes, yes. And and which one is the largest in Kenya that's used? Um, USDT, typically, I would say. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's that's again. Um, I would say if you look at Coin Market Cap top ten, then more chances are those are the ones that are uh, in use. Okay. And can yeah. you just talk a little bit about um, piece of base? So your focus is on stable coins. Right. So with the, with what we have with the cello dollar, that's the actual stable coin. So that's what allows people to be able to send and receive money across, uh, across borders. Because with uh, our focus on cross border remittances, we've uh, started with uh, our primary corridor is Australia to East Africa, US to East Africa. And, um, you know, just that, that triangle, I would say, mm -hmm. <laughs> US, Austra uh, yeah, US, Australia, and uh, East Africa. So with that, it's that we're not, um, you know, limited to that because, as again, the stablecoin is kind of borderless. Yeah. So in a way, that's to that's just to say that by using this tech, then we've, um, you know, we've, we've been able to leverage that uh, that capability of it. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. So the just basically enables you can, you know, once you're able to set up your account and you can sign in with Google, Apple is just about in development ready. And um, by signing in with your email and phone number, then you're able to send and receive money from uh, friends and family very easily. And so with, um, yeah, actually within the app, then you don't see um, a lot about Bitcoin, blockchain, what, and, you know, all the technical terms. It's just a very simple wallet interface. Mm -hmm. But do people yeah. then pay it out, cash it out into local currency or into Bitcoin or just send it you can, back? In you can cash out to, to local currency. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I have to say, I don't know very much about stable coins, so... Yeah. No, so it's... Pro no problem. No problem. <laughs> you know, I think with uh, one thing, another thing about um, I love about Bitcoin is that um, there's been, you know, I, I came across a discussion on if the let's say the best case scenario that the price of Bitcoin goes to above a hundred thousand dollars, then a lot of people would not be very drawn to that as a you know transaction or remittance kind of platform, right? But they'll be more drawn to it as a store of value kind of. Uh, rather than a medium of exchange. So in that regard, then, um, other, other, maybe more stable coins then will become the preferred option to do, um, remittances and cross-border payments. But you see, that's, that's kind of, um, that's kind of a discussion for another day in a way. Yeah. But the fact is that it's, Bitcoin has given us that appetite. If we can do this, um, if we can handle our money, um, being being in control, having that sovereignty, having that ability, no censorship. It's you know, it's decentralized. It's um, for me, it's the beauty of the idea and the power of that idea that it's given us. That is really amazing for me because um, maybe ten years from now we may not um, call it have to call it Bitcoin or uh, of course it's still going to be called Bitcoin. <laughs> But um, you know, I think the discussion will be completely different in terms of. Right now, we're still Bitcoin what, Bitcoin how, Bitcoin huh, Bitcoin uh, government, what? Is, oh, my gosh. <laughs> you know, we, it's almost in harsh tones. Like, um, yeah, I don't want to say Bitcoin too loud in case uh, someone hears that and thinks that I'm a terrorist or mm -hmm. yeah, <laughs> thinks that I'm yeah. doing something illegal. Because, I mean, in some countries, it's, it's sad that, um, you know, the governments have completely either banned or uh, are discouraging the use of Bitcoin. But... Um, 10 years from now, the discussion will be a lot more friendly. So the fact is that um, it's given us the appetite, first of all, to um, explore these ideas. And in being able to explore these ideas, then um, we'll be able to create the value that we need. So I think for me, that's that's the real that's the real that's a really hugest win for me about Bitcoin right now that it's gotten us talking this way. And we know that there's something different out there for us, even if Bitcoin won't be the main, which can be disputed then um the fact is that it's given that it's it's given us that appetite to reach out for this in in the best way possible mm. 
Yeah. Uh, my my guess is it will be the backbone of everything in a way. So the base settlement layer, yeah. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. we will see. We don't know yeah, the future, but uh, it's a yeah. great uh, thing to start. So yeah. thank you very much. That was yeah. a great conversation. I've learned a lot. Thank you. Um, thank you. Where can people find and follow your work? Are you on Twitter? I, yes, I'm on Twitter, I'm on Telegram, I'm on Facebook, I'm on Instagram. I am everywhere. <laughs> I'm pretty much on, yes, I'm, I'm on all these platforms, Rosalind Majiro. Um, my handle is at W Rosalind. So um, let's keep the conversation going. Um, it's really been a delight to have it with you. Thank you very much. I will put your um, social media links into the show notes to this episode. Uh, thanks and have a good day. Thank you so, so much. Have a wonderful one too. That was it. I hope you liked it and maybe you've learned a little bit. I did. Thanks to my sponsors who make it possible for me to produce the show. Localbitcoins.com, Shift Crypto with the Bitbox O2 and Coinfinity with the Card Wallet. Be sure to hit the subscribe button now to subscribe to my YouTube channel and always keep up to date with my latest videos. If you like my work, please share on social media and write a recommendation on Apple Podcasts. You can do that even if you don't have an iPhone and it helps to spread the word about Bitcoin and my show. Thank you. If you are interested in the latest developments in the Bitcoin ecosystem from my point of view, subscribe to my weekly newsletter at anita.link forward slash subscribe. See you next week when it's time for Bitcoin and Co. Music, start with yes, delicate beats. Editor, Claire Saunders. Content and production, yours truly, Anita Posch.